0: Hey there. This is Dr. Tim Stafford, and this is The Digital Instructor. Welcome to episode number 13. Uh, this this week, we are talking to um, the owner of Ablaze Media and my brother, Mark. Now, I know you can't see us. Uh, we don't really look a lot alike, no. but everybody tells us that we sound alike. And so uh, maybe, maybe people will get confused. Although... Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't get confused uh, by who's talking, <laughs> you or I. But uh, anyway, but my brother Mark, uh, he and I have been working together for a long time. Uh, it goes way back to the days of us having mm-hmm. a paper out together, uh, days that we probably don't speak of except at family reunions <laughs> in the dark. Um, but um, but nonetheless, um, it's kind of funny. We both, we, we have had times that we were kind of not working together, and then we've had times that we are working together, and Mark owns a, a uh um, uh, a company called a blaze media, which we're going to talk a little bit about in a little bit. Um, but he uh, does a number of things, uh, ad agent. He does a lot of marketing and uh, ad work as well as graphic design and, uh, just so many different areas of the whole graphics industry. And it's an important conversation that we're going to have today because what we want to talk about is how, um, great graphics are made because many of us who are digital instructors, um, we are making graphics. I know I make a lot of infographics myself. I use certain programs, but the truth is, uh, everybody. If I'm going to give you really a, a tip here is, there's I know the limit of what I can do. So if I'm making a Venn diagram with with a cool little uh, piece, some writing underneath. If I go to a certain, you know, if I use a certain service or whatever tool, I can probably throw that together and get it out there for my students uh, if I need it. But if I want something that I really want to put out there. Um, for people, or I really wanted to have some life, uh, for the most part, I call Mark and I say, Hey, um, I have this, this thing. I'll send you my rough version of it. I need you to make it into something. And it always comes back as something much greater than I thought it would be. And that's because from a graphic design standpoint, um, You know, a graphic designer can see things in a different way than I can. So there's two things we really kind of want to talk about. Number one, I want to give Mark a chance in a minute here to introduce himself and kind of his journey into where he is and what he's doing. And then I want to talk a little bit about what makes graphics great. And then the third thing and kind of find, you know, and how we can design a graphic, graphics that really that really pop and and, and makes sense, especially for those of us that are making PowerPoint slides and we're making graphics to to um, for our students to look at and, and infographics that kind of stuff. So what what are some principles that we can begin to employ that will make our graphics better? But then I also want to talk about something that I think is really important, and that is the use of a instruction of a of a, of a graphic designer. How do instructional how do digital instructors or instructional designers? If you're an instructional designer on this program. What's the best? What are some effective ways to work with a graphics designer that you're going to get really good output, and it's not going to cost you a million dollars? Because I mean, a lot of times, graphic designers can be pretty scary, and uh, and and but we do it to ourselves because we don't really tell them what we want, and we and we put them in a position that takes a lot of time, and so I want to talk about that. But Mark, welcome to the the program. Thanks for joining me today, yep. and uh, you know, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and how you've kind of, you know, kind of where you're at with the Blaze Media and what kind of stuff you've been doing. Just kind of give us some background.
1: you talked about a lot of things we're going to talk about today. So uh, I hope we can get to all those things. (laughs) 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 So, uh, yeah, uh, my name is Mark. Uh, I own a Blaze Media. And, you know, I'll tell you one thing about designers, Tim, is that designers are, experts at communicating visually. Um, A lot of instructors are experts at communicating orally, but a designer has a way of taking uh, images and icons and graphics and lines and arrows and fonts and colors and put that all together in a way that um, starts to make something that's a little bit convoluted make a lot of sense. And so uh, what makes a lot of sense to me as far as digital instruction is concerned, if you have a complex idea, breaking it down visually for somebody to see that that uh, complex idea often can really help a student track along with that process. Additionally, I was at a school uh, just a couple of days ago and uh, I was bidding on a project that they needed. And I noticed uh, things I had made for them 10 years ago, 10 years ago. And they were still using those for logos and sports teams and uh, all sorts of things around their campus because a good graphic designer, you hire them once and they can design something that has staying power. It has the ability to be used uh, on an ongoing basis. Uh, They understand where the trends are and where the trends are moving to a good one does anyway. And so they can design pieces that aren't going to look outdated in a year but will still be able to stick around for another five 10 15 years ago Lord willing and um, and not and not uh, you know create something that's going to be well hip today but it looks super dated tomorrow. So, I would say investing in a, in a really well designed logo or PowerPoint slide, a, a really great looking website, um, you know, that can be really the key uh, to success for schools and for instructors uh, to make sure that they're uh, communicating well. And on a school's uh, level, that they're drawing the right kind of parents, drawing the right kind of donors uh, into their educational institution.
0: Yeah, that's great. Well, let's let's start off by saying this, you know, you got, we've got a lot of digital instructors who are probably listening to this program um, who they've got, a you know, they're putting PowerPoint slides together. They're putting what I would consider to be, and I, and I don't want to make this sound less than it is, but these are simple graphics. I mean, you know, we're putting together fairly simple visual aids. Um, to highlight our work you know and a lot of with us being digital, a lot of times you know we're doing screencasts of our slides and we're talking over them. Uh, this is the kind of stuff that we're doing. Um, and some of us are, are more inclined to maybe put something into um, articulate or captivate or something like that where it's got a little bit more umph to it. but that's a lot of time. And a lot of us are we're, we're having to get online quickly. Uh, what we did at the end of last year is only was only just a step. Uh, we're, we're now looking. A lot of us are looking at full years of being online, whether it's kindergarten through 12, or whether you're in higher ed, or whether even you're a corporate designer. I'm, I'm talking to a lot of corporate instructors who are having to do webinars. They're not. They're not doing conferences anymore. There's a lot. So we're forced into designing graphics, and we may not have the budget completely to just hire a, a graphic designer just full time. Mm-hmm. So can you give us kind of like the, I don't know, I don't want to give you a number, but, you know, it's kind of the top things that we need to be thinking about when we are designing, like, let's just say a PowerPoint presentation that we're going to speak over. What are some, like, fatal errors that we could make uh, that you see that, I mean, we may not be designing what you could design, but 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 we need to design something, and what are just some things that can really help us um, put together something that's going to look good, it's going to be effective, but it's not going to look like we put a PowerPoint on online, because that's really what we're all trying to avoid. We're trying to avoid that horrible PowerPoint scenario but we really don't know what that is. We just know when we see it, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? And I think you probably could tell us what well, it is. So give us yeah, some insight. Let,
1: let me, let me uh, just talk about a couple of things. I, I think the first thing, you have to always design to your audience. Um, and so here's the thing. Mm-hmm. If you don't design to your audience, you'll always design to yourself. And so if you're a 30-year-old woman who is... Um, teaching a corporate class to 50-year-old men, they might not like visually what you like visually. Same thing, if you're a 50-year-old man and you're teaching a room full of 30-year-old women, uh, visually they they, have, they relate to different kinds of things. So uh, you, you have to understand your audience and you have to understand uh, what, they're, what they relate to visually. Uh, and that, that's colors and fonts and styles. Um, you know, if you're an elementary school teacher, this might sound trite, and I don't mean to sound this way. But if you're an elementary school teacher and you're putting on puppies with comic sands, and it's pink and purple and yellow, and you think it's really pretty, you put that into a corporate scenario, it's gonna it's gonna look at, oh, well like you're an elementary school teacher who's <laughs> uh, trying to make a corporate presentation. And you know what's funny is that I had a an employee that worked for me that I had to tell her to stop using purple comic sands because we're dealing with in my company. Fifty-year-old men most of the time, and that just wasn't appropriate for what we were doing. So, um, you know, modern straight fonts, um, high-contrasting colors uh, are really helpful when you're teaching uh, men specifically. I could I could do a whole session about different demographics, and we probably don't have the time for that. But you just need to know your audience and make sure that you're designing for them rather than designing for yourself. the The second thing is it needs to look clean, uh, clean and neat, and so uh uh the, the copy should line up nicely. There should be clear lines, clear spaces, things looking neat and even. Leave some white space around your slides. Sometimes people will say, you know what, um, I got a little bit of extra space. so I'm going to cram another little piece in there, not realizing that just making something bigger doesn't necessarily draw more attention to it. But the white space, the, uh, the, the space around your image also helps to draw attention into that, that image or that text. So uh, do not let things look uh, crowded or heavy. Um, in sign design, we always talk about you got seven words to communicate what you're trying to say. I would say that's true with headlines too. If you have a headline that's a book, um, people are going to get lost in that book. But if, if things can be con- concise, you know seven, eight, ten words, really concise headlines, really concise points. People are going to relate to that, and that's going to communicate. Um, better than if you're trying just to put a lot of verbiage on there uh, without really thinking through the content of that verbiage. Um, one last thing is that you know images they really do communicate. Um, you know, there's the old adage of uh, you know an image communicates a thousand words, um, and and it actually can communicate even more than that. Uh, well, but in some ways it it communicates. Uh, you're using images to relate to your audience first of all. So you need to think about images that are going to be relatable to the topic that you're speaking to, but also to the audience you're speaking to. And and then use those images in a way that is is clean and neat and tidy. Sometimes one image on a slide is better than using five. Um, One well-chosen image blown up nice and big with clean, text around it is better than saying, well, I found all these images and this is exciting, so I'm going to put them all on there. People are not excited about having too many things to look at. They want to see just a few things at a time and and then process that thing well.
0: Yeah, that makes sense because even with my students who are dissertation students who are doing their presentations, you know, at the end they're defending, they have to use PowerPoints to defend and it's pretty amazing. I mean, I'll get them from them and they'll just be all these words you know, there'll just be all this text on, on, you know, slide after slide after slide. And when I show them how to use smart art as an example, and they can go on and they can take all this, you know, they have this paragraph and I'll say, just put the one, you know, put the paragraph in your notes. That's important. I mean, what's on here is important, but take one sentence out of it and put it into this piece of smart art, you know, and then take the next point and put that into the piece of smart art, you know, and then put that on the slide. Even that, even something as simple as that, but then to, to your point, what happens then is they get they do that then they send me back their slides and then one slide is green and blue the next slide is pink and orange the next slide so I'll say no we got to pick a we got to pick a, a color and even Microsoft I mean they're not I, I would not suggest that even begin to suggest that PowerPoint is the end all of graphic design by any means but they do have some pretty inter- some pretty nice color sets that go together they they've done a good job of figuring out you know how things you know I mean. Of putting things together that at least make you look okay. I mean, they may not be the greatest thing ever, uh, and I think that's important. But even back to your point about uh, kindergarten teachers or, or elementary school teachers, you have to think. I, and I really wanted to hit home on this about designing for your for your audience, not for yourself, because a kindergartner or a third grader or a fifth grader has to be able to read what's on the page. So if you're putting yellow, if you're putting yellow Comic Sans font or yellow script font for instance, because you just really think it looks prettier, you have to be careful because a fifth grader may not actually be able to mm-hmm. read that. Even because their reading skills. And you have to realize that most people who are, in, who are attending courses in higher ed can read at a higher level than most people who are attending corporate events. I, I have found that the average corporate – well, I guess this is interesting. Uh, you and I have talked about this before. The average book for business people is written at about an eighth to mm-hmm. tenth grade level so it's not like they're writing it at this high esoteric level that that academics read and write in they're really it's really pretty much high school and so you have to remember that that you know what you would what what something might work for high school may work but you've got to you've got to think of that audience and so that's really important because you're right and and i have i've been saying for years that that images are the key i mean images a really good image that that shows what you're talking about. I I I, t- I tend to call them um, metaphorical images. So, like if you're talking about, um, don't feel like you're on a, a, a an island all by yourself. Get help, mm-hmm. right? To find a picture of an island, you know, and a you know a far you know to have that visual of a person on an island all by themselves, and then say don't feel like an island and then maybe have a piece of text on there, get help, call now or whatever that, that communicates so much better to a, to a, a listener or um, a, a student, you know, of any kind than yeah. just a bunch of black text on a white, on a white space. Um, and so, yeah, I, I agree. So let let totally. me, let me tell you about
1: it. just a few best practices um, that came, it okay. came to mind uh, while you were talking and, Sometimes I take these for granted, but uh, some of your listeners may not know these best practices. Um, Traditionally speaking, and this is just traditionally, there's a lot of exceptions to these rules, but let's just talk about the rules. Traditionally speaking, you want to use um, uh, sans fonts for the headlines and serif fonts for your paragraphs. So um, a sans font is a straight Clean font. Uh, it's a font that looks like Arial, although I think Arial is one of the most uninteresting sans fonts out there. Um, Helvetica is much better. Um, so when in doubt, use Helvetica. That is uh, the rule of thumb for. Every designer on the planet, um, when we don't know what somebody really is supposed to look like, Helvetica is an amazing font that just takes on the characteristics of the words. It's kind of phenomenal. There's also some fantastic resources at Google Fonts. It's fonts.google.com. Google Um, Google has done an amazing job of uh, putting together some really beautiful fonts, uh, fonts like Open Sans and Roboto and... uh, Oh, uh, there's a whole not Rockwell, and there's a number on there that are really beautiful fonts and that we use them actually quite often. And they go to the web really easily too. If you need to have a website that matches the fonts of your presentation. So, uh, so sans fonts uh, up top, and then there's a what's called a serif font, and a serif font is what you typically see in a book. Uh, it's got these little these little tails, these little um, ends and tails to it, and those ends and tails serve a purpose. There's a serve a purpose to help your eye uh, stay on track with that line and read across that line as quickly as possible. So now, to me, uh, the most classic um, a serif font is uh, is Times New Roman, and I hate it. Uh, it looks like I'm writing a term paper, but there is a reason why schools ask for Times New Roman. Um, if you use that in a professional environment, you better know you better have a reason for it because, you know, the the, the standard is Arial with Times New Roman. And it just looks so academic. It makes me makes me like bored. I, I just fell asleep just a little bit. Um, I, but there are much better. Um, <laughs> Uh, Sarah fonts, you know, even Georgia, that's a classic one. Um, uh, Mounds, classic one. Um, and there are some beautiful, uh, Sarah font, uh yeah, Sarah fonts on uh, Google fonts. Um, a couple other just best practices. Um, if you use a 48 point heading on one page, you should use a 48 point heading on the next page. And on the page after that, a 48 point heading, you should just keep it. If they're 24 point use 24 point the whole way through. Um, your heading should be the same size. Your heading should be the same color. The backgrounds of your slides should be the same color. Um, they should be highly contrasting. A, a light against a dark uh, is always better. And like you had just said, it's easier to read. Your paragraph text also should be generally the same size font. Um, if you're using a th- 14 or 16-point font on your your PowerPoint slides on slide one, use a 14 or 16-point font on slide two, and so on and so forth. Uh, we typically say three to five colors, um, matching colors, uh, is a good place to start. Don't introduce all kinds of different colors. The more colorful it is, it isn't more exciting. Uh, it actually starts to become a little bit overwhelming. Uh, so find a color palette. Like you said, the the, um, the Microsoft color palettes, when in doubt, they're pretty nice. Uh, somebody has thought those through. Uh, there are a lot of other ways of finding great color palettes, but if you're not a designer and you need something quick and easy, just grab a, grab a palette that's already put together. Um, and that would be, that'd be uh, good, I would I suggest for elementary school, uh, more primary colors are things that the kids relate to more uh, for older uh, students and older audiences; uh, those more in-between colors, you know, uh, instead of a red, it's more of a maroon or a mauve. It, it just it kind of goes a little bit off center on the color. Those tend to relate to older audiences better, especially female audiences. And um, then I, I would say one other thing: if you have a complicated graphic that you need to put on the page, unveil it one piece at a time. Maybe you have an infographic that's got twenty pieces to it. Well, program your presentation software so it just puts one piece and then the next piece and then the next piece and the next piece and that makes it so you can explain this complicated graphic one piece at a time it isn't overwhelming visually when somebody sees it all at once um one last thing i just thought of too is make sure if you use um uh, images off the internet that they don't have the um the watermarks still on them, <laughs> it's so tacky. Um, if it still says sh- shutter stock or iStock photo or something on the image, make sure it's the image you're allowed to use. If you're going to sell the PowerPoint presentation, you need to buy the pictures. Um, you can't really use free ones on the internet uh, if you're going to sell it later,
0: yeah. Right? I mean, for education, we use Pixabay a lot, yeah. which are free, they're they're. they're they're royalty free, you know, so we That's can right. use them. Um, when you when you are going to sell something, and it, that would really be a different show, you know, we we do want to have Mark back and talk about um, creating uh, sustainable courses online and, and that yep, kind of we, stuff. But yeah, you've got to be careful. Uh, and we use pixels as well. Um, and
1: there are some free yeah. sites, and they're and they're explicitly these are free images. You're free to use them. Right. Then you can use those and resell them. It in the in the context of uh, of a larger piece. You can't pull that off and start your own stock media, uh, stock photo site with those. You'll get in trouble for that. But if you're going to sell a PowerPoint presentation um, or you're going to do something for more commercial purposes, like you work for a school and you're going to use this thing and put it online, you're getting paid to do it, That Pixabay is great or Pexels,
0: uh, either one. And there are a few others out there as well. There are a few others, yeah. And and, and I always, even even in higher ed, we, we do our best to give credit to the person who the photo it is, even though we don't have to, you know, a lot of times we'll say photo by, uh, you know, a media and then we'll put decorative only or, or, or whatever, you know, whatever we're, we're doing, but we'll try to give credit just so that, you know, we can give credit because we still appreciate the fact that there's somebody out there taking these pictures, but yeah, you have to be careful about that. And a lot of people pull pictures off the internet and that is just not, you have to be very careful how you do that. So be careful uh, when you do that, especially if you're going to sell them or use them in any, any kind of, um, professional environment. It's going to be really important. And also for those of you who are educators, don't hide behind um, the uh, the idea of uh, educational use, fair use, because fair use has been has been has lost the fight uh, a fair number of times for people who are using images they were not mm-hmm. allowed to use. So fair use is is it. it there's a there's a there's a lot of law there. You have to know what it is. We can uh, we can maybe I can bring an expert on at some point and talk about fair use. But fair use does not allow you to just go to the Nike website and pull what, pictures down off of it and put it in a uh, and put it in a marketing class because you're an educational institution. It mm-hmm. doesn't work like that. You have to be very careful about what you use and how much you use. It'd be the same thing as if I said. If I, I stole, well, I should say this, I borrowed uh, six chapters of a uh, of a novel because I'm teaching a literature class, and I had my students read it, and they didn't have to buy the book. You, you can't, you know, there are rules to these things, and we have to know what those rules are. And I'll tell you, Mark, uh, uh, educational institutions have been notoriously bad about um, borrowing these things but the the law is getting stricter and it really is becoming an issue for a lot of institutions so i just want you to be aware but pixabay um uh pexels there's there's a bunch of them out there it just has to say that they're free and that they're free to use in any situation and if it says that well then you're free to use it well, and, yeah, you have, and have that,
1: honestly you know. if if you're using a lot of um uh, images in uh, in your media presentations a shutterstock a subscription for 50 images a month costs 100 bucks i mean it it just isn't that expensive um and larger packages that would be enough for an entire school to use again you're looking at a few hundred dollars and you have these great high resolution pictures speaking about resolution and let's talk about that just for a second too. Um, Mm -hmm. if you're going on the internet to grab pictures, there's a little, um, there's a little tab up at the top that says something like size and make sure that you go and you look for only large pictures. Um, if you take little tiny pictures and put on your PowerPoint slides, they will look like junk and you'll look unprofessional as a result. So make sure the resolution of your pictures is, um, is sufficient to make you look like you're like, like
0: you're a respectable professional. Right. It's always easier. I think, uh, you've, you've told me before, it's always easier to make big pictures yep. small. It, it, it's harder to make small pictures big because you lose,
1: you lose well, data. A, a designer can data. blow up a picture. You know, I have certain software to do that, but it's never quite right. Um, uh, it's just never quite right. And it, you're right. It right. Just it, it Like the example you were using before of finding a picture of an island, well, there's a zillion pictures of islands out there. So just go find one that's big enough, and don't just find the first one that comes up on your search. Um, make sure you go and you find one that's large, and then and then pull it in and you can crop it. Why not, why not?
0: Right. All right, well, well, we're kind of running out of time, but I would like to ask this one more question and talk about this for this time, and then we'll have you back and we'll talk about some other stuff. Um, but when when is a good time – to make the transition um i I'm a, I'm a digital instructor i'm making this stuff when when is the good time for me to make the transition to start using a graphics person and how do i do that without it killing me cost wise you know what what are some ways for me to because you know cuz obviously mark you know there are some services out there you know freelancer mm-hmm. and you upwork and i've used a lot of these services and they mm-hmm. are just a nightmare I mean, you can't get the work. You Fiverr, you know, it, it looks like it's going to cost you $5 to have this image done, but actually it's going to cost you yep. 50 because they have to buy, you know, if you want it done in less than a week, it costs you another $5 and if you want. So, and then the problem with Upwork and Freelancer is that I can use those services, but I don't always, get, I always don't know what I'm getting. Sometimes I'm getting some sort of a, chop shop somewhere in bangladesh that that these people I, I don't even know who they are i don't have any real ability to talk to them um, sometimes it works out great i've i've had some good experiences with those services but you know at the end of the day i just made the i made the move to use ablaze media to do my work because i spend a little bit more than maybe i think i i think i would spend actually i don't i end up spending less over time but it it costs me a little more but I always get the result I want and I can always say I don't like it and something can be fixed you know I've got that idea but when is a good time for a digital instructor to start saying I guess I need to start talking thinking about using a graphic designer and then how do they what's the best way to approach you you know so that there's a good working relationship there how do you establish that Um, So, it can be long term. All right, Tim, those are
1: all really good questions. And so, let me try to um, knock those out one bit at a time. Um, First of all, the the number one mistake people make when they're uh, sorting or sorry, when they're trying to approach a graphic designer is they think that a graphic designer is a copy editor. And uh, graphic designers are not copy editors. You should have all of your copy sorted out before you ever start the design process. One thing that can uh, cost you hours and ultimately cost you tens if not hundreds, sometimes thousands of dollars on a project is um, you get into your PowerPoint slides. You're like, oh, I need to just add a piece of punctuation here. Oh, I forgot a sentence over here. Oh, I forgot this. Oh, I forgot that. Oh. And and next thing you know, uh, the, the 50 um, slide presentation that your designer just put together for you has to then be redone sometimes two, three, four, five, ten times, and the whole time the clock is ticking. But if you get it to him the, the first time or her, uh, the first time right then they're going to make it the first time right. And then sometimes as they're thinking through the project, this is especially true when you're talking about brochures and flyers. Um, And I know we're not totally talking about that today, but uh, they'll, they'll design a brochure and a flyer to flow a certain way around the page. And adding even just a few words can totally disrupt that flow. And they'll have to take everything off the page and redesign it for those extra couple of words. And it is the bane of all designers existence (laughs) you know oh just one more sentence come on (laughs) um uh, so Anyway, so get all of your copies sorted. I would say that it really is helpful if they're an English-speaking person, if you speak English, or they speak your native language, because there's so much that has to be communicated back and forth. It's very difficult uh, to get over that language barrier. And I say that, and I had a, I had a couple of Chinese young men in here the other day in my office uh, wanting to start a project. I deal with people in uh, Latin America on a regular basis, and that, that language barrier c- can be very difficult to get over. So a local person that you can pull into your classroom, you can pull into your home if you're teaching from home, and actually sit down with them is really helpful. Um, or somebody who you can get on a on a Skype call or Skype. What was that? That was like a, a, a what Skype? <laughs>
0: Does <laughs> anybody use Skype anymore? I, mean, I don't know. You just said Skype <laughs> in the Zoom world. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> that'll be part of my marketing check out episode 14 where where mark stafford says, uh, says skype in a zoom world <laughs> oh man that just slipped out i'm sorry I'm, it's all right it's okay we're, we're, we'll let it go there there could be people out there still using skype when you're your apple
1: I, 2c I, using skype um anyway um I, I totally lost my train
0: of thought but yeah. apple 2C yeah, i still have ours by the way yeah um I know. I, yeah, yeah I, we'll talk amazing. about that on some other podcast. Yeah, so that's, that's the Mac, that's the Macintosh uh, podcast that yeah. we haven't done yet. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know where I was going with all that. But
1: anyway, if you can talk to a person face-to-face, whether that's digitally or that's in person, right. that really does help to get the process moving along more quickly. About the transition, about when it's time to bring a designer in rather than do it yourself, I, there's a couple of things that come to mind. Um, you know, One thing I know that you've used me for, Tim, and that sometimes uh, professors will use me for is when they have a really complicated idea that they're trying to communicate visually and they just can't wrap their mind around how to do that visually. Well, graphic designers are visual communicators, and so they specialize in that sort of thing. So I think that that's a good time to bring a designer in to help you break that down. Um, And so maybe that's just for a piece of your presentation or for your book, for that matter. Um, That's another place where I I see graphic designers get get involved. Um, I think when you're starting to market something professionally, uh, if you're putting together a professional-level, paid, uh, like masterclass. At that point, your visual should be pretty striking. And um, hiring a uh, graphics professional will end up actually increasing your profits in the long run. That's another class, but I think that's a time to bring one in as, as well. Um, as well as uh, when you're talking about school branding, school marketing. If you're uh, if you're gonna put your online school, you know, up for the first time, and you need somebody that really understands um, fonts and graphics and uh, logos and colors and how that appeals to a certain demographic. Then a designer is well worth their—they're worth their weight in gold uh, at that point.
0: Yeah, that's really good. And so, you know, um, and so you know, we're really kind of winding up this. And well, obviously, we've only just scratched the surface. So, which is what I knew it would happen. I knew this would happen because this is such a big deal. I mean, especially right now where people are. You know they're they're frantically trying to do things, and I can tell every all my listeners for sure that I have many times taken a picture with my phone of a graphic that I put on a napkin, that I I or I've been working on. You know, like I have pages, I have journals that I I try to create these these um, you know designs. I, that designs is not the right word. They're like um, visual representations of what I'm trying to teach, which is sometimes really hard. And so I'll go through several iterations myself. And then when I finally get that one kind of worked out, the one I really like, kind of what you were saying before, I get the, the language right. It doesn't have to be real super beautiful, but I can send that to somebody like Mark, and then he can then put it on – Put it visually in a way, graphically in a way that I can go, yeah, okay. Yeah. Except that this thing needs to be over here and this thing needs to be over here. And I, you know, I mean, when, you know, and so you end up doing a couple of iterations and you're good, but then you have this graphic. I mean, I just want you to understand that that might, let's say that cost me a hundred dollars to do that. But now I have this piece that I can send to over and over and over again to my students. I can teach from it. I can put it in, in in Canvas for them to look at. I can stick it out there in LinkedIn for other people to look at. It's mine. It becomes a piece of what I do. And then if I make a class that I want to sell to people, I can use it for that. So the thing about it is that hundred dollars that I spent to get that done, because maybe I had to do a couple of iterations. You know, um, maybe if I if I had it really dialed, it only cost me fifty bucks. You know, but still, the idea is to spend fifty, a hundred dollars on something that I'm going to be able to use in multiple situations. That's very valuable to me, and it's, I know it's valuable to other digital. Uh, instructors, and so um, you know, this is really important stuff that we've talked about. And um, and so, Mark, let's let's just kind of wind this up by asking you this: How, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, um, what's the best way to do that? How can somebody get a hold of you? And and. Talk to you about their their work and see if they can't use you for some of their maybe some of their projects they're working on. What what's the best way? Well, to do the that? best
1: way is to uh, is to email me actually. Um, uh, but you can find my email always at my website, which is uh, ablaze.media, not ablaze.media.com. Ablaze.media, um, and uh, my my email address is mark at ablaze.media, and um, that that's the best best way to get a hold of me.
0: Yeah, that's great. Well, folks, that's about all the time we have for this edition of uh, the uh, Digital Instructor podcast. Thanks a lot for being a part of it. Thanks again, Mark, for being a yep. part of the show today. Uh, we're we're looking forward to having you back and talking a little bit more about marketing and some other things that get your that your company does. And so, but as of today, I think you've got some great things to uh, to think about. And uh, be sure to share this with other people um, who this might be of value to them. We really appreciate all of you being such great uh, listeners. Till next time, this is. Dr. Tim Stafford with the Digital Instructor Podcast. Catch you later.